Hey, this is Tom Hambridge, and you're listening to Talking Blues. The last time I saw you, which was a couple months ago in Memphis, we were on the trolley bus together. That's right. Um, you're telling me about your busy summer. Since then, and then we're talking two months, you've released a new album, The Nola Sessions. Yep. I'm curious as to how many songs approximately you've written since then and how many productions you've been involved in since May. Wow. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> you know what's crazy, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but sometimes it's hard for me not to look at my calendar and tell you because I, I go from one thing to one thing to one thing to the next thing. I think uh, since May I've probably... I would just say on average, I, I've since May, what is it now, July? Yeah. Uh, I've probably written 15 to 20 new songs, and um, I did a, uh, I've done, t- I think, three albums. Wow. And, uh, and of those three, I would be, um, you know, I'm mixing a couple I'm still doing overdubs on like the other one, and then um, and I wrote four songs for an artist that that um, has their record coming out. That is another was another little thing that I did, but um, and I've been uh, on tour. On tour, <laughs> yeah, on tour with Buddy Guy, yeah. And doing some of your own gigs, I presume. Yeah, I'm tomorrow. I'm I'm doing a big festival in Buffalo, New York tomorrow. So, so, what drives you? How does this happen when you just? I mean, is it is it being driven or is it just the way you were brought up? Well, that's a good question. Um, I was, you know, my parents always joke that since I was very very young, I was always running from one thing to the other because I played. I played sports and I played music, and so. And you started early. Very, very early, very early, and um, so, all through, you know, it really. I really found, and this is just a generalization, but that my sports friends, my guys that I played football, basketball, baseball with, that worked out, and we we did all that. They weren't musicians. They were not the musician guys. They would come to the gigs and party, but they were not musician guys. And the musicians that I played with didn't talk about sports. Right. We were we were very artistic, listening to music all night and just um, so. But so I was kind of like a split personality in that case. So I was constantly. Um, there were times in high school where, literally, I was the captain of the basketball team. I would play and halftime go to the performance center across the campus, and do a performance on drums like with the orchestra and then go back and put on my shorts and uniform to go back and yeah it was a so I never and I never thought of it as or there's a concert the same night as a big basketball game I gotta do one or the other I was always going well I bet you there's a way we can just do it if we time it right and it, it involves sometimes jumping through some hoops or asking the music director saying, well, I, I can't do the music thing because I've got the game. I'm the captain of the team. But if it happens, if the performance is third on the show, I could probably make it over in time. And we would just, and by the grace of God, a lot of these things would just work. So I would go from football practice to a gig to whatever, you know. And so I never think, you know, when people call me and they say, okay, we're, um, you know, I'll have a studio session booked one day, and someone will say, "Hey, uh, we're doing a big benefit for Tom Petty, or whatever it is, at the big club in town, and we'd love you to stop in and do a few songs." And I can go, "Okay," and then in the and then someone else can say, "We got to do an interview, or can we? We have to." tweak up a song for a, something. I can, I can do that on my lunch at the session because we're going to break for lunch. So come up, come by the studio and we'll finish that song. And then at, and then and when I'm working with the artist that night, I'll say, listen, we're gonna, when we're done around 10, 
they're like, hey, you want to go out and have a drink? I'm like, no, I'm going to go to this club because i got to perform a few things, but I'll see you tomorrow morning. You know, so I'm constantly just jamming the schedule. And Did you, have you ever felt overcommitted or, or close to being burnt out? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, I think in recent years, because I've been at this level of um, constant uh, movement and for this pace I've been running, I've been running since, you know, early age, an early age. And I'm an old guy now, so so now, I mean, uh, I do sometimes think, like, I mean, like, we have, we're on a tour, a major tour with Johnny Lang and Buddy Guy. Mm-hmm. And on the off days, well, the travel days, like, we have to travel from Toronto to, I believe we're playing, like, in Toledo, Ohio tomorrow, or the next day. Right. There's a travel day where it's a long blah, blah, blah. I'm doing a concert in Buffalo. Good so thing gonna, it's on the way. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to find a way to get there. So the other day we had an off day, and I went to Nashville and did some work and then flew back and took two flights and got there and got on stage. And and I don't feel... I, I feel kind of... Instead of feeling fatigued or tired, I feel invigorated that I was able to accomplish that other thing on a day when I would have been on the bus, maybe resting, maybe catching up on phone calls, you know. Yeah. But, you know, you know. Um, but I get the feeling that if you have an off day, you're not really resting. You're probably writing songs. Absolutely. You know, setting I'm, up I'm, a, another session or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And has it always been like that? Like, have you ever had any downtime? Um, no, you know. Well, I don't want to make it sound like that. People think I don't have any downtime because even even... You know, I say to my wife all the time, I say, one of these days I just want to take a vacation. Like, just like a normal person. Like, just take a vacation. And she always laughs and says, you can't, you, you're not made up that way. You wouldn't be able to stop. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. and um So I think, um, I mean, there are days when I, after I, I'm on a long run of making record back-to-back or tours or jumping here or from there, that I'll just say, because I have two girls, and I'll just say, is everyone going to be home? Because they're now teenagers. And I'm like, is there, are you guys going to be home like Monday and Tuesday? And they're like, yeah. And I go, well, I, I'm going to try to shut it down and maybe, like, can we have one of those days to, like, just, I don't know, go for coffee in the afternoon, and I'll take you out to dinner, and we'll watch a movie or something. And they're like, oh, that's great, you know? And so there are days when I try to do that, you know? But, um, but as my wife will laugh, she'll say, on some of those days... Somebody maybe very, you know, ZZ Top will call and say, we're in town. Is it possible that we could write one? Or can you come out to the thing? And, and, then, and then I'll ask my kids and my wife, you want to come to the thing? Because we got to go see Billy, you know. And, uh, and we'll, sometimes we'll do that. We'll make a night of it, you know. But, right. but it might be, as she's saying, work-related. Right. Is it work to you? It's not to me. It's right. not work to me. So obviously the outside people think well that's work related because that's your job you're a producer songwriter and so but so it is it is odd when there's um, I mean I would have to like just uh, on a night to have an official night off if if Elvis Costello calls me he's playing the Ryman and says you want to come out just to hang out and listen I'd like to play that I, I wouldn't go I couldn't go because that would be work related Right. You know what I mean? Somehow there's a work angle in there, right? And so to my family, they'd be like, well, that's work-related. So, I, so I'd have to say, no, let's, let's just, that's what I mean by let's just rent a movie and have popcorn. Right. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, but I mean, I, I'm a matter of fact, I just reproduced um, my daughters are, are uh, great, unbelievable songwriters and singers. They have this, this, this really cool thing going they're called Sir Rachel. One's name is Sarah. One is named Rachel, and they put their names together, Sir Rachel. And um, and for a long time, we've been talking about doing something, and and I never push them at anything. I'm always, hey, have someone, yeah, do go do gigs, whatever, you know. And uh, so they just uh, finally, you know, asked if I would produce a record for them. So I just did in a. Um, 
I'm real excited about that. So, but to your point is that sometimes when we're just sitting there watching TV, they start singing or they'll start talking about music and, and we start talking about music, you know? <laughs> and so it's all around us in a good way. Yeah. But, but, but I'm thinking, you know, I think a lot of people would love to be in your position. I mean, you're a producer, you're a songwriter, you play. God knows what else you do, but you're busy. And I, mean, I presume you're, you're in demand for doing new albums, producing new albums. You're always writing new songs. You're working with Buddy Guy, and I, well, you're working with your band. Has, has working with your band, I, I get the feeling that that becomes not secondary, but I, I get the feeling you haven't treated your band as a priority. It's something you do when other things aren't happening. That's very perceptive. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's uh, I think that's a fact, and my band would would tell you that too. I, I the last thing I talk about on an interview, usually, and sometimes I don't even bring it up, would be my album, right, or my band. Does that bother you in any way? No, I, I don't know what it is. Um, it's probably some deep rooted thing in my brain or something where I just don't want to. Um, I mean, I feel very at ease telling you how fantastic the new Buddy Guy record is. Mm -hmm. That's the number one blues record in the world. And, and you know, I mean, I wrote, I wrote what, there's 14 songs on it. I wrote 13 of them. And I, I arranged it, did blah, blah, blah. And it's doing so well. And the songs are, are unbelievable. And I can tell you about, you know, the, the, the new Joe Bonamassa record that's coming out that I that I wrote four songs on with Joe that's going to be great. And I can tell you about a Devin Allman record I did and how cool he is and James Cotton or whatever. And my record's number two, the number two blues record in the world. And I, I won't even speak of it. You know what I mean? I don't know <laughs> why. I mean, I, I unless somebody says to me, I guess, I guess it, you know, we're interested in it. Right. Hey, tell me about your record. Then I go, oh, you want to know about my record? Well, I'll be happy to tell you about my record. But uh, um, I'm so used to kind of being championing some other record. But I guess that's also your record. Like, I mean, a Buddy Guy record is kind yeah, of your record. exactly. Right? So I'm very proud of that. So I, I'm just, you know, um, you know, so that's... Yeah, I mean, for where I sit, I, I look at you and you're, you're a success on many different levels. You've, you've had hundreds of songs recorded. You've done a bunch of productions of great albums, working with great artists. So I can see that that's success. But so the ego doesn't say, I wish I was, my name was out there more with my band. Well, you know, I think in a perfect world, I think I'd need more balance with, with what I do because what I do with my music, with my, my records, my songs, is important to me. Mm -hmm. And it's very personal and it's very, um, I enjoy it. I, and I, I really love playing to an audience and having them get, and most of the time, it's it's like, oh my gosh, he wrote that song. Oh, he wrote that song. Oh, I didn't even know who this guy was. Oh my gosh, what is this? Oh, you know. So I love that feeling of like, because I I'd love to to go to a, when I was little, I'd love to go to a concert and and see the opening act or see some band and go, that guy, I heard that song on the radio. I didn't know that guy wrote that song. How cool is that? You know. Right. So um, I I like taking my music and having it affect people. I mean, I, I love that. And having people come out to my concerts, I love that. Um, I don't do it enough. I only do it uh, kind of by default. I do it when, fortunately, people like Buddy Guy or Leonard Skinner or someone will go, man, that record, the last record you had was great. When's your next tour? And I go, well, I'm not. I'm just doing, doing records. And they're like, man, you should come out. You guys are great. You guys should come out and do some dates with us. And I go, really? That would be awesome. And so, like, I'm going out this month, and I'm doing, as a matter of fact, the Leonard Skinner, they're doing their final tour, right. um, which is called Last of the Street Survivors, which is a song that I wrote with them. And um, so they called and offered me, you know, they offered me a, quite a few shows, which I was so honored with my band, Tom Hammers and the Rattlesnakes. And... My schedule was so busy, I could only do, like, a handful. 
And uh, but I am doing you know a stadium in Pennsylvania, and I'm doing Cleveland, and the Blossom, and outside of Columbus, you know. So, and and they're going to be historic concerts, and my band's excited, and I'm doing it. But I have to fit it. I have to fly from the Buddy Tour on the day of the shows to to, to fit those in, you know. So it's um. That's crazy. You know, yeah, you can't, you know, you you know. Max, Mac, the road manager for the man, buddy's manager says, says to me sometimes. He says, "Can you? You should just clone. If you could just clone yourself, you know." And I, I go. I would do that. I would be in both places if I could. Right. You know, I, I, if I could, you know, the other clone wouldn't be sleeping and you know just reading, a, you know, <laughs> eating chicken wings, going with you know, or taking a, you know, bath. I'd be gigging. You know, the other one would be out working. You know, so. So, um. You you grew up in Buffalo. Yes. You started playing drums when you were five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I can gather, you loved all kinds of music. Yes. You decided to go to Berkeley yep. School of Music in Boston. What did you go there for, and what was the goal back then? That was actually um, a situation like like uh, when I when I was graduating high school, I had. The, I had the possibility of going and playing sports in college, and which was a dream of mine. Which sport? Uh, actually, well, I, I could have played baseball or football. Really? And But I had football scholarships. And so me and my dad would go on these uh, recruiting trips where they would, they would recruit you, you know, and they would take you to college. And, and um, most of these colleges... They were very excited about me going to the school to play football, and and then then I would say, well, I'd really like to check out your music program, and they'd say, well, that's you know, we we we'd probably have you more like in you know communications or some other thing that was less, you know, the the music program, you know, is there's you know like I talked about the conflict there'll be yeah, concerts yeah, yeah. and, and we're, you're coming here to play football and so I kind of were you a quarterback or what no I was a running back okay a running back and um, so I realized that uh, we were talking about it because then I got a couple music scholarships one was to a really wonderful school called um, Ithaca Ithaca College in upstate New York right. by Cornell and they had this amazing music program and I got a full scholarship so I went to the music department, and I also got a football scholarship there. And they were the Division Two national champions and Ithaca Bombers. And we went to the football coach and said, this is, looks like a perfect idea because I can do music. They already want me here for music. And he went, you got to decide, son. You got to decide what you're going to do. You can't do both here. That must have been a tough decision. That was very tough. And um, did you did you see yourself as professionally becoming a professional athlete? No, I didn't. Oh, and even okay. and, you know, and I actually got recruited by the Cincinnati Reds to play baseball out of out of high school what too. Position catcher. I was a catcher. And um, but I and and they know they know. Like, I want to you know clarify. They in no way sent me a contract and said sign. They were recruiting me. They right. sent me letters and said you know you get in our system. You know, um, but. Uh, but I was, you know, I knew I was not going to play pro at any of these, <laughs> for either of these. Because I, 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 I love the game so much and I'm, I'm, I'm so fascinated by the game and I'm so into it that I know what it takes. And it's, that's just something that there's, there's only a few people, you know, in, in you know, it's right. so. But, but you would have been interested in going to I wanted university. to play college football because right. okay. I thought I could do that. And I wanted to play big time college football, and I I thought, I don't. That's going to be a regret. I'm going to look back, and you know, now not I don't anymore. I I did for a long time. So so what I did, my choice. Sorry, now you don't because of I, what's going on. Because in football? I think I I realized that. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe it's been so long since then, that that rush of um, like my body got beat up very you know a lot to when I'm playing sports right and um and I know that um if I would have played college football 
there's possibility that I would have more aches and pains than I do on a daily basis just from the sports I play, just knee injuries and stuff from, sure. from playing just what I played, you know. I played Little League football up until freshman football and university, varsity and whatever. And so, I don't know, eight years of football or something like that and probably eight years of baseball catching and where fingers get broken and stuff happens and you know there's a lot of violence that goes on in that mm -hmm. and that I loved I loved the contact but I know that probably even two years of college football I don't know if that would have been worth how I'd be feeling right now you know and at the same time did you think music was going to be the the route that yes, you yes I did know that I did know in my heart I didn't know I was going to be at all successful but I did know that music was in my blood that it was my love it was I have I, I have to do this. And this is playing drums, or are we talking everything, composition? Everything. I mean, it's funny. I I, uh, I started writing songs very young, third grade. I carried a tape recorder around, just always was making up stuff on the piano. And just, I'm just, I love music. I, I just, I wanted to play. I mean, it, to me, there is such a, um, I have such a respect for it all. And also, like, the um, a regard, I'm, I'm trying to think of a word that would be not romantic, uh, but I, I, I mean, like when, like, when I played the Hollywood Bowl for the first time, like, that to me was, like, a huge day in my life. Because the Beatles played the Hollywood Bowl. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There was there, the history of it all. Like, like when, when today we, we started talking, and we were talking because I'm playing the Budweiser stages tonight, and I said to you, let me ask you, was that the Molson Amphitheater? And right. you said, yeah, that is. And because I remember the first time I played the Molson Amphitheater thinking, because as a kid I would drive up from Buffalo and I think I saw like the Who there or something. You know, So it was like this historic venue. Right. So I, I, I have that still in me. Like when I go there tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be walking on that stage and I, I think about who played on this stage. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's weird. I, I, I don't think about it as, oh, I'm just going to get through tonight, even though I got to just get through tonight. <laughs> I'm thinking about it like, oh, wow, wow. You know, oh, in this dressing room was probably... I know, but you've also worked with these people. I know, I know, it's crazy. I know, it's crazy, but it's still, it still affects me. So when you went to Berkeley, did you go for... Music, I mean... So you were writing as well? Yeah, okay. arranging, harmony. You, you take a lot of courses. Um, uh, I took a lot of courses that were not music courses just because I wanted to take art history. I was very interested in, in uh, 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 different, different things that, that were um, not just notes on a page. I knew a lot of the notes on the page. So... I mean, even when I got to Boston, I immediately went out and got a gig. And, and I know that my, even my professors, my drummers, like, where are you taking your drums out of your, and I, you know, at eight o'clock at night, putting them into a cab, what was going on last night? Are you leaving school? I'd say, no, I was, I'm playing at the uh, bar down the road, you know? And, and they would be, but I, well, you came here to learn how to play, you know, to, to be able to do that. But I had been doing that since, since eighth grade, seventh grade, I, I, I would, my mom was putting the drums in the car and I was going downtown Buffalo to play gigs. So I didn't think anything, I, I just, this is what I do. This is kind of how I, how I roll. This is what I do. I can't sit in my dorm. No. You know, so I, that's kind of what, you know, so I, I did take, I, I graduated from Berkeley. When you went there and you graduated, or before you graduated, what did you think you would get out of that program, and where did you think it would take you? Well, I didn't know, but I knew that I was going to Boston. The city itself was vibrant, and there was a breeding ground for all kinds of great energy. Music bands were getting signed. There was a... Uh, it was a art art city you know with so i had i had this 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 thing about well number one there's 10 times as many places to play as 
as my hometown. Right. There's mil millions of more people. There's radio stations. There's cool stuff going on. Boston's there. The cars are there. There's Aerosmith. <laughs> you know, there's a lot going on. Right. And so um, I thought that there, there might be more opportunity. And um, so while I was going to school, there was opportunity. And opportunity, one of the opportunities being producing. Right. Which you produced um, Susan Tedeschi's first album. I don't, how, how many albums had you done before her? Well, that, the producing thing wasn't anything that I, like, set my, myself I was the, as a goal. or uh, there, was no, there was no, like, I'm going to be the biggest blues producer in the world. That's what my, you know, really? vision is. Never, never, no, no, no. This was all by necessity. I was making music. There was a studio, I remember, and I just booked it. I saved up some money and booked it, went in and recorded some of my own songs. You know, that's how I started. And, and did that come easy to you, to, to write songs, imagine how it would be recorded, and to actually yeah. come out of it? For some reason, I, I was able to... That was, that was somewhat easy to put together. I, I just was listening to music and playing music and loving music my whole life as a kid. So when I went into the studio for the first time, I was like, okay, so I'm going to get my drums. We're going to play the drums. You're going to play your bass. Do that this way. And let me hear what it sounds like. Oh, yeah, it sounds like what I'm thinking about. So, And they were my songs, and I was telling people what to do, you know, in a nice way. Can you do that? Right. Can you do this? And then listening it back, and, and I felt, this is what I heard in my head. This is this is these are my songs now, and so I started doing that, and I, I then I had my own band, and my own band got really successful in New England. It was called TH and the Wreckage, and we played all the big places and had a huge following. This is blues or rock or rock? I would say rock, but I did have a blues. I liked so many kinds of music that that I didn't care, right. which was a, which was a drawback at the time with record companies. Because they would say to us, we love it, but you're all over the map, you know? Can you just be hard rock? And I, I would be like, well, I, don't, I write hard rock, but then I write this blues song. And they, were, and they would suggest that that's not the way to do it. And, but I, I, I just wrote what I wrote. So I, I wasn't thinking like a business person. We got to just be you know, Soundgarden. Right. That's what we have to do. So I, I, well, anyways, I had this band and we were very successful and we started getting played on the radio locally. There was a big radio station in town called WBCN and, and that was a big, they broke the cars, they broke a lot of big bands and uh, U2 in America, they broke a lot of bands and they would play my records. And we had some number ones on the station so other bands and artists would see me at the gig somewhere or call me and say, I heard your song on the radio. You're TH from TH and the Wreckage? It was Tom Hammerge and the Wreckage. Who wrote the song? And I would say me. i said, oh my gosh, well, it sounds so good on the radio. Who's the producer? Where did you do it? And I'd say, well, I produced it. And I had produced it because I, I did everything. I wrote the song, I sang the song, I produced it, I was the leader of the band. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It wasn't. It wasn't like George Martin was living next door that I could call. I right. I had to do it on a limited budget, so I did it. But for some reason, it, 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 it other people reached out to me, so they would say, "Would you produce something with my band? Would you write the song for our my band?" So I started doing that just um, to make more music. Did that come as easy working with other bands and um, imagining what uh, they want? Sometimes. Sometimes uh, now it's it's easier because uh, I think I've done it so much. I'm I'm you know I found shortcuts to to get myself inspired, and um, but uh, at first it was it was different. But with but then that's how that's how Susan Tedeschi happened because um, uh, Richard Rosenblatt, who was signing her to his he had a little label you know wanted to figure out how to do it and he came to me and he said you should see you should see this girl she's really good she needs songs she needs can you produce the record you know so uh, I wrote songs and produced the record for her and 
it was another one of those things. Right. Did you know? I mean, she's such an amazing talent, but did you know when that album, when you're working on it, that it was special, that it would be as successful as it was? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. I, I, I could tell from the moment I met her, she was special. Mm-hmm. I heard her sing. I had, you know, it, it, was, it was twice as good as they told me. You know, they told me it was great, and I went, oh, my gosh. And, and, and we hit it off. And, but I wanted to write some songs like It Hurts So Bad right. and Rock Me Right that, that could, I thought could cross her over and propel her to a bigger market than the blues market. And that was nerve-wracking too because Richard, who, who was a wonderful blues uh, musician himself and mm-hmm. he ran the label, he, you know, he wanted just to make a blues record. And... Um, I, I heard her the minute I heard her. I said, this is this is the whole world, not just blues people. Everyone needs to hear her. She could, you know, it's like Aretha Franklin is a soul artist, but the whole world needs to know Aretha right. Franklin. So that's the way I looked at it. Like, she's that good. And so um, we made the record. And, and even while we were making the record, I you know, I, I said, this could be, this could sell a million copies. This could be a Grammy record, not knowing how that happens. You know, <laughs> you know, I was like, I was like, you know, but that was your first million seller. Yeah, first album. million seller, and it was nominated for Grammy. So, so it was like, boom, like, uh, but I, yeah. So, did that change your life? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's funny stuff. Um, the more you do this stuff, the more you realize it's it's never it's never like you see on television or something. Stuff like when I did that record, it came out. When it was happening, I remember like a year later, I guess a timeline is what I'm talking about. A year later, Susan called me from from somewhere and she said, you gotta come out here and play drums for me on the road. I play drums on the record. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, it's amazing. People are singing along to the song. You heard so many. You so they're singing every word, and, and they're coming out from everywhere. We're packing places, and radio is playing it. And I was on to other things. I'd moved. I'd moved to Nashville, and I was doing other stuff. And I was, I was what, what? I mean, I heard. I would check the Billboard and go, oh, it's moving up, or. But but I mean, when you're not in the middle of that, right. you, you're on the outside of it a little bit. So so. You know, I guess it, it just happened, and and then it's always a, a delay. Like you've already done something, and then then it's out. I mean, like Buddy's record is happening right now, and and I know it's happening. And I get press releases, and I see reviews every day. But you did it months ago. I did it. I did it months ago, and I and I don't. Back when there was, you know, I got mentioned. On the end of an article once, when, you know, 30 years ago, I would read it three times that day, go, I can't believe it, you know? <laughs> or, or, I, or, or I think today, at some point, they're going to play my song on the radio. I would stay up all night listening. And I still have that love, but I don't have that time. So now, yeah. and I don't mean to sound trite about it, but all the reviews are coming in, and I'm reading them, but I don't even read them. I just, they thought someone will say, did you see Rolling Stone mentioned you last week or, or somebody did a review of Buddy's record and they, or, or your record got a, like today, there's, I don't know, 20 or 30 things that came in. And I guess I don't find myself sitting around wanting to pat myself on the back about it. I just, right. I just, I'm glad and I'm blessed that somebody somewhere is talking about it. But, but you've had so much success though. Because if yeah, you were freaked yeah. out every time, it would be kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So <laughs> thirty years later. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. So I'm, I'm just, uh, uh, just on a treadmill, just doing the next thing. But what do you think? What is? What do you think you have? Because I just see success, and I, you know, I mean, you played with Boston, did yeah. you not? Yeah. You were their drummer at one point. For a short time, yes, yeah. I was. Yeah. So I mean, that's at a different level altogether. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you've worked with so many amazing artists. You've you've produced so many great albums. What do you think it is that you have that puts you at that place? Because some people have success, 
Right, and they right. don't go further, whereas you just seem to be continual. Um, well, I know that one thing I do is I, as I do surround myself with really good people that, that do their job really well and, and have the same kind of work ethic as I do. So um, it is, it is, it's probably from my days playing sports, it is somewhat of a team game. Mm-hmm. Like when you're making a record, if you have one link in the chain that's not right, it can take the whole thing down. Right. So, especially with artists that are delicate and, and fragile, and you, you have to have a team every day there for long, long, long hours that are focused on making greatness and not settling. And it's nothing about, when I challenge somebody, it's never about one-upping somebody or, or there's a spiteful thing. It's about making the best record of this artist's career that we can make, the best. And so it's not about who gets credit for what or whatever. We're all working together to just do this. And I find that I'm, I have a good, you know, a huge kind of circle of people I've found from engineers to musicians to, that I can call upon that they know going in how I work. And it's really wonderful because they get excited about it. And I'll say, you haven't even met this guy yet, this artist, but I'm telling you, I've been working on the songs and we are going to make history. We are going to make this thing and it's going to just be a year from now, everyone's going to be talking about this guy. And they believe it. And sometimes I don't even know, I mean, I'm just hoping, but I, I'm going to try to make a great record. So, So songwriting. You've written tons of songs. When I read about the NOLA sessions, you said you wanted to work with musicians that you've never worked before, with before, and that you wanted to be able to go back to the hotel, write a song, bring it in the next day, and record it. I find that concept amazing. <laughs> I, I can see that happening. But to plan a record around, I'm going to write some stuff, bring it in. I'm sure you had some other stuff, but that you don't feel the pressure. Right. And I presume songwriting is something you do on a constant basis, and it's something you're constantly working on, right? Yeah, and, and I guess I, I wanted to do that because I wanted to get out of my... I, I needed to shake my... You know, the way I do things up. I wanted to shake that up to maybe you know, help me break some new ground a little bit. But is it any different than working with Susan Tedeschi and thinking, I need to write her some songs, going home, writing some songs, and bringing it to the studio the next day? Right, right. It's it's not that far. That's that's not, yeah, it's pretty close. The only difference is, was I, um, in, in talking about that process too, because I know there's probably people out there thinking there's no way he could just go to the hotel and write the songs all night and then come in the next day. Well, as a songwriter, I'm constantly collecting ideas, a bag of stuff. And so that little bag that I'm collecting, there are, when I'm thinking about my record, not Susan Tedeschi's record or George Thorogood's record, my record, there are little thoughts and little tidbits that I'll put in that bag that's saved for my thing. Right. So it's almost if you can picture me collecting thoughts for three or four years. They're not complete ideas. They're little sentences. There's a line that I think intrigues me about how I'm feeling today on the road somewhere. And I write a, I write a verse or I sing into my phone a little bit of something that I think, boy, I'm, I could really, I really want to write this song about me and this, this driver here. And I think right now, you know, this is a line that I th- want to start the song with. I don't know if I'll ever finish it or get back to it, but this is it. So sorry, that's written I, down, or is it on tape? It's on. It's on. No, that's not written down. But the line is written down. Okay. But I will. It, if you can imagine someone getting to their hotel room in New Orleans and thinking, okay, tomorrow at eleven o'clock in the morning, all these musicians are going to show up, and an engineer, and I got to have music. And I get to my hotel that night at 
eight o'clock in the evening before the, and I just sit at the table and I pour that bag on the table and I sift through it like a puzzle and I go, wow, there's that, there's that verse that I always wanted to get to. Let me just grab my guitar and just mess around with that and see if I can make that into something. Because I have the idea, I remember the idea that I had three years ago when I was driving down the highway, and that's the first verse of it. So let me get back in my mind to the place I was at. Now, also, I am a songwriter. Mm -hmm. So it's, to me, it's just like, uh, you know, I'm not a carpenter, but if I was a great carpenter and someone said okay well tomorrow morning you got to have a table made and here's but here's all the stuff in your hotel room and there's your tool belt a good carpenter probably just goes so oh, that's going to be no problem i actually can use the wood that's what kind of wood is that that's all oh, i can do that and that tool oh i can make that out of that and whatever that is i'm not a carpenter and there's a table right so i would come into the studio with furniture i'd come in i'd go this is this is uh, we're going to try this one you know this on another road, you know, that was one. I just thought, that one just, I just started working on all night. And is it easy, do you know, when it's a good song? Not always. S sometimes, sometimes I know this is a, this is a winner. Um, sometimes when I'm creating for myself, I don't know, but it, because it's, it's, there's a difference because when I'm going to say it on my record, I'm not trying to say it to be on the radio. I'm trying to say something that I want to say. And am I saying it the correct way? So, so I, I might be focusing more on that than whether it's going to strike anyone else right. and feel good. And I know that when you work with Buddy, you would have conversations with him, and he might say a line that you just think, that might be a song title. I find that. So I, I and I get the feeling that that's the way you work all the time. Yeah, there's there's I mean, uh, you know, some sometimes there's these songwriters that I write with that are that are wonderful songwriters. They'll they'll we'll talk about how the, there's the songs are in the air. They're really all around us, and a good songwriter has his antennas up all the time, picking up those thoughts. So. But the other thing about the Buddy situation, which is interesting, is, for example, the title of the new record is The Blues is Alive and Well. Okay. Now, that came from just... That song is about, um, you know, when I came in the front door, you know, I heard the back door slam, and I think she's got another man type of deal. And the blues is alive and well in my life. <laughs> you know, this is, this is. But, so Buddy connected with that. But Buddy has always talked about in interviews how him and Muddy Waters and all those guys before they died, they said, whoever's left's got to keep the blues alive. So when I went in to write these songs, I was, I wanted to write a statement about the fact that Buddy is one of the last remaining guys. Mm-hmm. And as long as he is alive, the blues is alive and well. Right. So that creeps into this song where we get to the point in the, in the bridge where Buddy is saying, as long as I'm around, the blues is alive and well. Now you have to have a craft a song around that. So it is about good and bad, right? right? The blues is alive and well because it's in everybody's life. But by him saying that and making that the title of the record, like when I said, they asked me, what, what do you want to call this record? They always ask me that. And I, like I'm, but I, I know. And I said, the blues is alive and well. And of course, the minute I say that to everyone in the room, they go, of course, the blues is alive and well. I get it. <laughs> it's like they get it all of a sudden. It's like a joke you've been telling every day and they don't get it. And then everyone gets it and goes, Oh my gosh, the blues is alive. Well, I, yeah, that, he just, did you hear the interview he just did yesterday? That's what he, he basically says that. And there's a song on the record that I wrote called The Blues. I wrote that with Gary Nicholson, too. I want to I make sure I say it's that. It's an amazing song, right? Yeah, amazing song, right? So, so, and, um, 
you know, so he's right there. Gary's right there going down that road with me when we're writing it. So know? does that happen? I know you both live in Nashville. Yeah. So is it just, do you get together on a regular basis? Or do you call him and say, I got an idea. Can we sit down? Or how does uh, that a, little, a little of both. I mean, you know, we used to, you know, I, I'm, I'm really actually, I, I wish we used to get together a lot more. And when I, because I was more available in town, because Gary's always in town writing, and he's wonderful, and I love writing with him. We've written some amazing stuff, and and he'll now call me and just say, you know, which is great. He like shakes the tree. He's like, hey man, I need some time with the hammer. What's going on? Where are you? And and it makes me go, yes. Which also makes me, when I have a day off, think, all right, I gotta schedule that. Right. Which. But that's work. That's work, and uh, but. Um, you know, Gary is, 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 you know, so that, that's how that works. And he's just so great. And, and, uh, I love writing songs with him because, and, and the other thing too, I guess to, to your question, I mean, I do, I do call him sometimes when I say I'm, I'm thinking about some songs for a new buddy guy record, mm-hmm. you know, and he will, of course, because he's, he looks at his bag of things he's been keeping. And he goes, ooh, I got an idea. What about, you know? And so, you know, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. So really, really, I mean, um, professional writers, um, I mean, you can show up at a room with nothing and get a song. And sometimes that's hard for, for people to understand. But, but then there's also, you, you as a professional writer, sometimes you need to get something and you have your bag of, of stuff that you've, that you've heard in the air that you said, that would be a interesting I have so many of those on a daily and so I'll never write all the songs that are that I've written down right I'll never even get to them I hope I would love to because I go that's such a amazing if I can twist that right that would be an amazing song if I can ever and then I might never have the time to get to it and, and sometimes I mean I, I know that on my dying bed I'm going to look at these things going I gotta get. I gotta call Gary. He's gotta write this song because it's such a great idea. Well, he'll probably be right there with a the guitar. Yeah, right, right. So, I know we have to wrap this up. I know you have to go to sound check. So, I really appreciate you doing this when you're so busy. Uh, my final question is, uh, and hopefully we can do this again. But yes, my final absolutely. question is, when did when did songwriting become? When did you appreciate the art of songwriting and it become an important part of you? Well, I have always been fascinated by it I still am and that is a wonderful question because it's an ongoing constant when I started writing songs I would write songs and I was always inspired by great Eleanor Rigby or yesterday or something and I how did they do that and I didn't know how to get there I, I, I and I know a lot of songwriters are like this you just how those words fit with a melody and and you struggle you write too many words you write a song and it's you play it you think it's great and then you play it for someone and it's is this and they go I don't understand that or so so I was constantly on that goal and so I've always done that and I would always write songs by myself and when I started writing with some other people they were who were the same as me. They were searching. Right. I would say, well, wouldn't Bob Dylan do it this way? Or you know, and they go, yeah, yeah. You know what? You know, have you heard John Prine? He might, the way he does his verbs is, and and then you start exchanging ideas of how to make that table, kind of. Right. Oh, really? You use what kind of edge there? And you start to, and I found, and then the higher up of these songwriter, these master guys, I would sit down with. They might say to me, "Why did you Why did you change the line that way?" And I go, "I don't know." When I was young, I, I I realized in my songwriting that if I curved it that way, people dug it more. And they go, "I've never thought about that." And then they'd say something. Well, I find if the melody goes up in the prehook, that that you're able to. And I'd be like, "I never even thought about that." And so I'm learning, right? And we're exchanging ideas. And it's. Even to this day, I can get in a room with, with somebody that, um, say they're a great pop writer or a rock writer and we're in L.A. or something, and, 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 and their whole way of doing stuff could be totally the opposite of everything. And I, I, what are you doing? You're setting up a drum loop, and then 
Then you're chanting, and what do you, yeah, this is what I do. And then what I do is I think about the sound of vowels or something. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. So it's, but the guys had tons of hits or whoever. So I'm, I'm intrigued by it. And then I might use a little bit of that in my thinking and alliteration, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is, where, where there's, there's songwriters that you'll sit with that I've, haven't been through all these things and I know that because they sit down and they're saying something and you're you're saying, well, that doesn't even, you're not even in the right tense. Or is it, are you saying it or is there someone else in the room saying it? And they're like, I don't even understand what you're saying. You know, and I go, you know, where where if I'm sitting with, with you know, Jeff Steele or someone that's been BMI Songwriter of the Year, I mean, he, he knows we don't even have to discuss that. Right. It's first person. Or, or, or it's, you know... Whatever it is, we're we're getting right to it, and um, you think about your idea and your line and your contribution before you spit it out, and make sure that you've cleaned it, that it's good, because you don't want to waste the other guy's time by saying something and have him go, well, that wouldn't work because we've already said that in the first verse, or whatever. God, I forgot we did that. No, get it together. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. you know. So, so, and anything, and anything you do, I guess, you know, any any occupation you have, you get better at it, working it. So, getting back to the Noel sessions, when I get down there, I mean, I, I I know that. You know, I do that with my kids. I, I just growing up, joking around. I said, Let's write a song in five minutes. Here it is. It's about the door handle. The door handle is of silver, and it goes to the thing, you know, whatever. And we rhyme. Oh, you gotta rhyme that. And and some of those songs are great. We I just they just go up in the air. But it's a it's a way of exercising being a songwriter. Or it could wind up on a Buddy Guy album. Or it could wind up on a Buddy Guy record. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much for doing this. It oh, my pleasure. pleasure. And it's great um, to see you. Great to see you again. And I, you know, I met you here in in this hotel. That's right. Like three or four years ago, and you were kind enough to do that B.B. King tribute video with me and uh, I've always wanted to interview you and I'm thrilled to have this opportunity. Oh, well, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. My pleasure. Thank you.